Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information about Home Church, visit us at myhomechurch.org. We're talking about uh, Sabbath. I'm excited. I, um, as I was studying Sabbath, uh, we're practically in a time of Sabbath as a community here. Um, but as I was studying it, I was both in- encountering the realities of Sabbath uh, as well as recognizing my deep need for it. Uh, my heart can be distracted and can be pulled in a whole bunch of different directions and the world is making so many promises um, and some not so outright uh, evil or wicked or whatnot. Um, But I find in these 12 years that I've known the Lord, that I've been walking with him, uh, it's not changed. Jesus is the only place where one can receive Sabbath rest. It's only found in him. He's the only one that gives it because he gives it He gives what cannot be found anywhere apart from him. Jesus is true rest, and so I'm excited. We're seeing um, more than ever, the, at least for me, um, just the realities of the kingdom breaking in. Uh, We're seeing more healings than we've ever seen. We're seeing more people saved than we've ever seen, deliverances. Um, When Jesus comes, he shifts everything. Everything changes. He he agitates demons, thank the Lord. And... um, and we're seeing more of that, and it's really exciting. Um, and so I, my, my goal today is to draw our attention to Jesus, what he, who he is, one aspect of him, as well as uh, what he's made available. And my hope is that there will be confidence in, in, in you, that as we pray these realities, we can know that we have the thing that we pray for because it's the heart of God. It's the heart. He's revealed his heart. And when we pray, maybe we have to wait a few moments or whatever that looks like, but we can pray with confidence because his will has been revealed, right? And so uh, I'll try my best to communicate that. Uh, so yeah, so Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus gives what can be found nowhere else. He alone can give true rest. Jesus is the only one who can define properly what that rest is. Um, There's a lot of talk of what rest looks like, and there's a lot of true things, but not necessarily the foundational definition. There's a lot of things that sound right, but just not. Uh, but Jesus is the, he's the best, he's the teacher of teachers. And when we see what Jesus says and what Jesus does, Jesus is like a good rabbi revealing the, the, not only the law of the, of the word, but also the spirit of it. And so we can count on Jesus uh, revealing things in the way they should be revealed. So he has, we need to be like the people during the road to Emmaus, the story where as Jesus is declaring from beginning to end, Himself, he's revealing himself from Moses, the prophets, the Psalms. He's revealing himself and their hearts burn. And we need to sit at Jesus' feet through the word and through stillness and through prayer and allow him to speak that our hearts would burn. Jesus inaugurates the Sabbath. The Sabbath practice, though practical, it points, it it is a remembrance of a past event and a, a present experience and it points to a future reality. 
It's prophetic in nature. Much like our gathering here, lots of different personalities, color, skin color, uh, backgrounds, context is reflective to a future day when every tribe and tongue will gather around the land. So we're tasting, we're experiencing the beauty of the diversity as well as it's pointing to a future reality that one day all the nations of the earth, one day all expressions will come together before the Lamb and worship. Beautiful. And in the same way, Sabbath is, is no different. Sabbath is a present experience, and, I, and I'll, I'll say again, experience, it's tangible, that points also prophetically to a future fulfillment. And Jesus invites us to participate in that Sabbath. Sabbath is to be experienced. And because it shifted when Jesus came on the scene, it's not over. As a matter of fact, Sabbath is actually more intensely experienced, just in a different way. So before I go on, I just want to, uh, it was on my heart, I, I, I remind myself certain things. We don't see Jesus, though we see his effects. And sometimes it can, it can get really abstract. We just need to ground ourselves in the fact that Jesus is a real person. There's a day coming where a real Jewish foot will touch the ground and all things will be made right. There's a real day coming ahead of us. We, we don't see Jesus. We feel his effects. We feel his love. But he's not separate from when Jesus is here and we feel his peace. Jesus is present with us, though we don't see him. But there will be a day when all will see him. And all things will be made new. He will make war against all those things that fight against uh, the love that he has for his people. Jesus is a real person and he's coming and so when we talk about rest i say that because not only is jesus real but rest is real it can sound all right rest it's like almost we can we can feel good about an idea but rest is not just an idea it's a reality it's it's a present reality that's tangible it's powerful it's life-altering it's fruit giving hallelujah thank you lord give us your rest so I'm just gonna walk through a few things. Uh, I'm gonna give a lot. Uh, I will not apologize for it, but I'm gonna talk about the Sabbath. And if I lose you, uh, just nod and pretend you got it. No, I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll try to. Uh, <laughs> so before we move on to Jesus, because this is what I wanna do, I wanna draw our attention to him. Um, before we do that, I want to just go through what Sabbath is uh, scripturally. I'll be t it's much deeper than I can even express. It's much more beautiful than I can express. Um, so this is in no way exhaustive. But practically speaking, Sabbath was a day of rest. And uh, it was on the seventh day, six-day work, seventh-day rest. And it was an imitation and participation of when God rested on the seventh day. All right? So Sabbath rest Though we find that word in Exodus, it links us to the first few pages of your Bible, Genesis, when God rested. So uh, the rest, Shabbat, uh, it means to cease, and, uh, but it's more than just ceasing from work. The Sabbath was a time of communion with God, communion with man. It was a time of remembering the acts of God. It was a time to enjoy God's provision. Uh, it was a time that, as we said, prophesied to a future reality. It's an experiential blessing provided by God for humanity. The purpose of Sabbath, we lose in the New Testament because Jesus brings about so much conflict when it comes to this day. Um, Sabbath is supposed to be a blessing 
to humanity. It's God's gift to humanity. Mark 2.27 says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So it's God's gift to us. And what we see in the New Testament is that man had, maybe for the purposes of honoring God, had built so many rules and so many regulations that it was no longer a blessing. It was very uh, hard. Sabbath rest is first found in the first few pages of your Bible. Genesis 2, 1 through 3 says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God finished his work and he rested. This idea of rest doesn't mean that God ceased from activity, but it's more like, um, I'm not a cook, uh, but it's, so it takes me a lot of effort to make food uh, if I'm like following instructions. And it's like you, you go through the steps, you put all the stuff together, you, you cook it, you cut it, whatever, whatever you have to do. And by the time you're done, you cease from cooking and you, sit and you cease and enjoy what you've made. And this is the, the idea God created. He worked from day one to day six, and now he's resting to enjoy his creation. Okay? Does that make sense? So this is obviously before, um, right, and so on, on the seventh day, what we're looking at in Genesis, Sabbath only comes when the work of the Spirit does what he does on days one through six, meaning in the beginning, there was wild and waste. The earth was without form. The, wor- the, 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 the earth was a wilderness, it's basically a wilderness. It was there. There was nothing, though. It was just not put together, and then the Lord spoke And the Spirit of God took what was in disorder and brought it into order. And then God declares, it is good, right? And then day and night. So what we're looking at on the seventh day, why God could rest, is because all that needed to be done was done. Much like when Jesus says it is finished on the cross, he has done all that needed to be done to make the purchases for the sin of man, right? And to bring in a new humanity. Thank you, Lord, for that. So this is before the fall of man, God and man walked. So, so now we're looking at the garden, right? God's ideal world is the garden of Eden. When we look at all the facets of what's going on there, we're looking at God's ideal world. Man walked with God in the garden. Man and woman were without shame and united in mission. God made provision. There was food everywhere. They were to, to guard, but they, they made food. I mean, how many of you love food? God makes provision in covenant for food. There was food everywhere. There was a river that watered the garden. And not only, it was the way it's worded, there's a river that waters the garden of Eden and then it splits to four and waters the earth. I want to point out this is the seventh day that, that God has blessed. Again, blessings are is not a... We can say these words and it feels so abstract and feels so intangible, but blessings is a tangible thing. It's not an idea that makes us feel warm and fuzzy. God's blessing has a tangible expression in whatever he blesses. Ephesians 1 talks about every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. It speaks of identity. What, what happens when a man is blessed by every spiritual blessing? He knows who he is. He knows where he stands with God. 
He's without shame. When God blesses, there's, a, there's an effect. Psalm 1 talks about a man who meditates on the law of God. That man who's blessed by doing this, he's like, a, he's like a tree planted by streams of water. Doesn't matter what season comes, he is firm. He is firm. His leaves do not wither. He prospers in all that he does. The blessing of the Lord, there's effect. And so this seventh day, it's not just a, a cool day to like not do anything. It is a blessed day. And finally, in, in this Genesis passage, there is no reference to night and day. Genesis 1 and 2, in the beginning, God created, well, let's not go there. So it, there's no reference to night and day. When God starts to create, on days 1 through 6, there is something he speaks out. The Spirit brings order, and then God declares it is good, and then the Bible tells us night and day, that was day 1. Day 2. He does some work. He speaks. The Spirit of God brings order. God declares it is good night and day. Day two, day three, day four. But when we get to day seven, we don't see that. There is no, it was night and it was day. Do I have it here? There is no, it, it, the seventh day is meant to be an eternal reality. There is no beginning, no end. It's just the day that we're in uh, that was lost when man left the garden. So in Genesis, Sabbath gives us a picture of God's ideal world. It does not happen until divine order takes place. Genesis 1.31 says this, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. God makes everything. He looks at it very good. God's ideal world. The Sabbath and its practice is a representation of heaven on earth where God's presence is in the midst of humanity, unhindered. Sabbath was a day of the week to experience the garden life again, much like the temple was a place where heaven was on earth because God's presence would come, that yet we were very limited in how we can approach. The Sabbath day was a day to practice that, that day when man and God walked together unhindered. Sabbath looks back to God's idea. Sabbath experienced and participated in the blessing of God, communion, rest. It was about fruitfulness, provision, identity. And then Sabbath looked forward to a coming rest that would happen in the messianic age as the prophets prophesied. All this to say God is really invested in giving rest. He's really invested in it. If you're tired and restless, the good news is God is invested in giving you rest. He continually reveals his desire to commune with us, to provide for us, to strengthen us. We don't have to beg. He did it, and he did not make it a mystery in how we can receive it. Thank you, Lord. And so what does this practice look like? Again, just a little bit longer, and, uh, and I want to pray. Sabbath practice was this. We had a, uh, I'm going to highlight three you have the Sabbath day. Is everyone still with me? Yeah. yeah? Okay, cool. Hallelujah. Hallelujah break. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. Settle down, guys. Okay. Every seventh day was the Sabbath day. Now, interesting to note, not everyone worked off the same calendar, so it was very inconvenient for not only the Israelites to just stop what they were doing, meaning they couldn't sow, they couldn't gather food, they had to do that on the sixth day, uh, but it was inconvenient for anyone else who wanted to trade. 
it would be like if if this was still the case and we had a different calendar. It's like this group of people resting on a Saturday one week and then on a Tuesday another week. It was just different. But this is what separated Israelites. It was Sabbath and circumcision by observance that made this people just different from everyone else. Amongst other things, their practice and adherence to the Torah. Exodus 20 says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it, here's what you do on the Sabbath day. You shall do no work or your son or your daughter or your male servant, your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates. Sabbath day, everything shuts down, even the person who's not an Israelite, he's just coming through. Everyone gets rest. The animals get rest. The slaves get rest. This is beautiful. All creation gets rest. It's pointing again to this garden ideal, God's ideal for the world. But they're exiled, right? Man is exiled, and, they're, and God's just given them this taste. Praise the Lord. And then there's what's called the Sabbath year. You can find this in Leviticus 25. It says this, uh, verses one through seven. I'm just gonna read it. We'll, we'll stop at, uh, park at Matthew 12. You can turn there now if you want. But Leviticus 25, one through seven says this. The Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years, you shall sow your field, and for six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in its fruit. But in the seventh year, that's a whole year, not just one day, a whole year, the seventh year, uh, there, sh- uh, there shall be a, a solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune, or, 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 uh, or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap what grows of itself in your harvest or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. The Sabbath of the land shall provide food for you. Somehow not sowing, somehow not doing the work uh, that an agricultural person has to do, the land's still going to produce. Much like how God provided every good tree in the garden. So the Sabbath of the land shall provide food for you, for yourself, and for your male, uh, your female slaves, and your hired worker, and the sojourner, again, the stranger that comes into your gate, uh, your cattle, your wild animals that are in your land, all its yield shall be for food. So the land gets rest for the whole year. The people, not just the Israelite who is in covenant with God, the Israelites, the slaves, and the animals get rest, and the sojourner. And then the land will provide food. Again, the sign of abundance in the midst of a wilderness. They're practicing, um, actually not the Sabbath year. The Sabbath year is practiced in the land. Um, But abundance is going no matter, even if they're not working the land. And then there's what's called the year of Jubilee. Every Sabbath year. So every Sabbath year, every seven years, right? There's that Sabbath year seven times. You come to the 49th year. That leads us into the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee is this Sabbath day on steroids. It's, it's a super Sabbath. It's an expression again of this, of what God's given us in pieces and then in years. And then finally, this whole year comes. The year of Jubilee was a time of justice, freedom, and liberty. On the 49th year, the people of God consecrate the 50th year. This is found in Leviticus 25. 
Verse 10, and you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. They actually sound a ram's horn. They sound a ram's horn and usher in. <laughs> Woo. That felt good. That felt good. So here's what happens in the year of Jubilee. Property would be restored. Imagine you come into the land and God has given you inheritance, but for some reason you run into a financial issue. For some reason you're, you're sick and you can't work and so you need finances. And so families would sell their inheritance just to make ends meet, just to survive. On this year, the land would be restored to those who lost the land because of whatever reason. In this year, the slaves were set free. Captives are released. The year of Jubilee is also known as the year of release. Captives are, are let go. They're let go. And, and imagine, it's not just anyone. It could be an Israelite who has inheritance. And again, they run into issues and they, they just can't do it. And they have to sell themselves into work so that they don't die. Well, in this year, the law provides provision for freedom. And then the land produces abundance. Again, this whole day is, is filled with rest, abundance, provision. Leviticus 25, 19 through 21. Now, now remember, the year of Jubilee, seven Sabbath years times seven brings you to the 49th year. That's a Sabbath year. No sowing, no, no reaping. The, you, you, you have to just uh, trust that God will provide, that what he said about the seventh year will come to pass. But the year of Jubilee is also a rest year. There's no work done. So you're talking about now just not one year. You're talking about two years. This is how they survived agriculturally. And so God says the land will yield its fruit and you will eat your fill and dwell in it securely. So not only will you eat your fruit, you will dwell securely. You'll be safe. Praise the Lord. And if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year? Right? Because we're not going to sow. What shall, you know, so he's saying, what shall we eat in the seventh year if we may not sow or gather in our crop? I will, this is God speaking, I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year. I will command my blessing. That's authority. I will command my blessing in you in the sixth year so that it will produce a crop sufficient for three. Abundance. God's rest is very different from the rest the world gives. Now here's, here's, the problem with the, the narration and why the coming of Jesus is so uh, just ridiculously wonderful. Uh, there's no sign that Jubilee year was ever practiced. There's no sign. So imagine this was given as a law. And if it was, maybe a few times, but there's no actual evidence that it was actually practiced. Imagine you sell yourself because you can't make ends meet. Now you're a slave. Everyone should experience a year of Jubilee at least once in their lifetime. Every 50 years, you're waiting for that day. You're waiting for that day, but the day doesn't come. In comes Jesus. Jesus alone, as I mentioned, defines the Sabbath. If anyone's going to tell us what the Sabbath rest is, Jesus will do it. Wherever Jesus went, there was conflict whenever religious leaders were present. And it always appeared as if Jesus was breaking God's law. 
Has anyone read this? It always, there's always this tension. He's doing these things. It's very um, scandalous. You know, it always seems like Jesus comes on and he's flipping tables. It's like, what in the world? But it always appeared as if he was breaking God's law. But let me tell you, Jesus loves the law. Jesus is a teacher of teachers. He knows the law better than anyone else. He loves the law more than anyone else, and he obeys the law perfectly. Jesus says of himself, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Jesus is not confronting or uh, Jesus is not differing with scripture. He's differing with tradition. Let him do that in our lives. Jesus is raising again the attention of the law to his people. How kind God is. He's, he, he came to his people and now he's reminding them the spirit of the law. Praise the Lord. Let's turn to Matthew 12. Are you guys with me? Yes. Okay. Dina, Dina, where are you? <laughs> she's with us, she's with us. All right, Matthew 12, verse 1. Here's Jesus rocking the boat, or so we think. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read? This is a jab, by the way. The Pharisees, they read. That's all they do. They read. And so he's saying, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. I'm going to bring up three points, but I'll tell you, as you read your scripture, these go deep. These go deep. Uh, one of the, uh, let's not do that. Okay, they go deep. Trust me, it goes deep. Jesus is making a point here. Jesus has the authority to interpret what the law is and do it rightly. And so what he's confronting here is the traditions of man. When he brings up David's story, it's so much more than what I'm about to share, but when he brings up uh, David's story, his point is the Sabbath in multiple occasions is in a way suspended for something on God's heart that just takes priority. Not that the Sabbath is done away with. He's revealing something that the Sabbath is suspended but also makes provision for. And so in David's case, the Sabbath is not, for the hungry to go hungry. On the Sabbath day, those who are hungry are fed. He points again to another story with the priests. He says that the priests profaned the Sabbath. The law made provision for priests to still offer sacrifices. So they're not breaking the Sabbath, though 
the Sabbath is not technically being uh, honored in that way, in the way that it says no work shall be done, yet the priests are offering sacrifices. The Sabbath day is a day of worship. The Sabbath makes provision for that. There's also another story where Jesus is talking about circumcision. It's done on the eighth day. Uh, you still do it on the Sabbath, meaning to not break Moses' law. He's saying that there are circumstances where it's okay to do these certain things. He's not saying don't break the Sabbath, but the Sabbath makes provision. The spirit of the Sabbath is to bless. In verse 7, he says, I desire mercy. This is a quotation from Hosea 6.6. 6. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. The Sabbath is a day for mercy, steadfast love, and growing in the knowledge of God. They've lost this. Jesus is reminding them, the Son of Man has authority to show you what this means. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Let me review some of the Sabbath activities quite a bit, but just listen. I'll give you the passages and what happened. Matthew 12, 9 through 13, there was a man with a withered hand healed on the Sabbath. The Pharisees asked, is it lawful to heal? Jesus responds, it's lawful to do good and heals him. Sabbath is a day for healing. Mark 1, 21 through 28, Jesus heals a man with an unclean spirit on the Sabbath. Jesus enters the synagogue and teaches and a man begins to manifest a demon. Now keep in mind, demons aren't pets. They aren't friendly. They come to kill, steal, and destroy. No one wants a demon. And anyone who's had one can attest to this. It's not good. Jesus comes on the scene. A man anointed by the Spirit of God meets a man with an unclean spirit, and the man anointed with the Spirit of God wins. The Sabbath day is a day for deliverance. Deuteronomy actually links this, 5.15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. He links the practice of Sabbath with redemption. Mark 1, 29, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law on the Sabbath, and she begins to serve on the Sabbath. Luke 14, 1 through 6, Jesus heals a man with dropsy, which is a uh, disease that causes swelling from excess fluid. In that scene, Jesus asks, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? No one responds, and Jesus proceeds to heal. Jesus answers that question by healing the man. It is lawful to heal on the Sabbath. He's bringing, again, attention and awareness to the spirit of the Sabbath, not breaking it. He's come to fulfill it. Praise the Lord. In Luke 13, 10 through 17, Jesus delivers a woman, a, uh, a daughter of Abraham, from a demonic spirit that caused her to be bent over for 18 years. That's half my life. If you could do the math, yeah. I'm 60. Um, 18 years is a long time, long time. She was bound by Satan. Jesus comes on the Sabbath, sees her, and looses her from his grip. Sabbath is a day of release from demonic bondage. Again, we're pointing back to the ideal. There's no pain, sickness in God's kingdom or the Garden of Eden. This is what God is bringing in. Sabbath can only be experienced when, the, when the, the chaos is brought back to order. Jesus is coming and bringing the kingdom of God. Jesus saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath is synonymous with saying the kingdom of God is at hand. For Sabbath rest only comes when the Messiah comes to usher in the kingdom. 
John 5, 9 says, Jesus heals a man who was invalid for 38 years, 38 years, paralyzed. Jesus comes on the Sabbath, heals the man. John 9, 1 through 7, Jesus heals a man born blind, causes a huge scene. One of my favorite passages. Why does this matter? What's the point of all this? Jesus is letting us know what Sabbath rest is by what he says and by what he does on Sabbath days. The authors of the Gospels are intentional with using these words, saying that today was the Sabbath day and then telling us what happens is intentional. They're using these words on purpose. And Sabbath rest is way more than inactivity of the body. It's the activity of the kingdom. Jesus is not just telling us and showing us what Sabbath rest should look like. He's bringing Sabbath rest to us. Sickness, sin, demonization, depression, emotional hurts, anxieties, fears, not knowing your identity, purposefulness, confusion, or all forms of bondage that came by sin. And it, they're all forms of restlessness. If anyone's been sick or is anyone who's not known why they're here on the earth knows what it's like, it's restless. We need Jesus to come and bring rest. All these things put us in that state. And Jesus is invested in bringing Sabbath rest to the world. We look and we see perversion. We see violence. We see division. We see confusion, sickness, demonic oppression. Jesus has come to bring Sabbath rest to all these things. And now Jesus didn't bring these realities just for a single day. But as an eternal reality, a day where there's no evening and no morning. Jesus inaugurates Sabbath rest. Turn to Luke 4. Shoo. Luke 4, verse 16. Are you guys with me? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah break. <laughs> Jesus, we bless you and we thank you. Luke 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. This is a sign that Jesus actually practiced the Sabbath. And he stood up and read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Jesus found this place, meaning he turned here on purpose. <laughs> it's like a mic drop moment. Uh, not going to lie. It's pretty intense. It's pretty awesome. He says this. Keep in mind, this is a place where they've, they've witnessed him grow up. He's about to make some claims. Again, and keep note, this is the Sabbath day he's doing this, intentional. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
This is a quotation from Isaiah 61, which is a prophetic word of a future jubilee year to come. Isaiah 61 is about the year of release or what's also known as the year of the Lord's favor. Whew. Verse 18 is a direct quotation from Isaiah 58, verse 6, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Isaiah 58 is a chapter about true Sabbath lifestyle. Let's look at Isaiah 61, or let's look at that in Luke 4. Sorry, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. You guys remember in Genesis, the Lord spoke. The Spirit of God brought things to order, right? It was by the Spirit that all things were brought into order and then the ushering in of Sabbath rest. Jesus is the carrier of the holy presence of God. He is the Word of God carrying the Spirit of God. He says, it, he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, Another way of saying to tell the world the kingdom's at hand. It's coming. And poor can mean economically or spiritually. It's about receptivity, those who are ready to receive. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. This is an expression of demonic possession. He's, he's called me to set them free. And recovering of sight to the blind, not just spiritually, physically. We know this through the stories and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. John Mark Ruthven says this, this differs to deliverance from demons, this, ref excuse me, this refers to deliverance from demons, mental illness, emotional problems, and more. Mark documents that no one can enter a strong man's, Satan's house, and plunder his good unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Mark 3, 7, uh, 27. People are often paralyzed, bound up by emotional wounds, they are experiencing depression, shame, and rejection. Jesus comes into those events so he can bind the strong man and plunder his good. His goods, rescuing people from all kinds of distress. And verse 19, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the year of jubilee, the year of release. And he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled. James R. Edwards says, the one new thing in Jesus' message is today. What until now had been potential, promise, hope, and long awaited is at this moment a present reality. Sabbath rest is no longer just for a day or for a year, but now an eternal reality that Jesus had ushered in. And the works of Sabbath rest is here because the rest giver, Jesus, is here. And so, what does this mean for us? Are you bound? Are you restless? Are you in sin and you're looking to be free? Are you demonized and you can't get free? Are you shamed? Are you living in condemnation? Are you sick and diseased? Are you brokenhearted? Are you anxious? Are you fearful? Jesus proclaims over you, today is the, Lord, the year of the Lord's favor. Today is the year of release. Shoo. So how do we participate in this? Before Matthew 12 happens, Matthew 11 happens. <laughs> deep. Deep, deep, deep. Come on, somebody. Let's go. Still got it.
feel the Lord. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest is much more than inactivity. Rest is the power of the kingdom invading your life, setting captives free. Doesn't matter how bound or how little bound, bound, Jesus has come to give rest. How do we do this? We engage our heart to him, our intellect to him, our strength. It's not mysterious. In the same way you would pursue anything, you give yourself to it. You position yourself to ask Lord, show me. Show me this rest. I want it. You seek for it. You knock. And Jesus promised to give, to be found, and to open the door of encounter. For those who have been seeking on a continual basis to come to Jesus and have not seen your breakthrough, I tell you, anyone who's been walking with the Lord and look back at those moments where they waited for their breakthrough can tell you something happened in the waiting. Keep coming. Keep coming, keep pursuing. He's not teasing you. Something is happening in the waiting. I'm waiting for breakthroughs right now. Something is happening in the waiting. As I look back, I realize, oh my goodness, my heart's not the same. Oh my, my heart is tender. It is vibrant with the voice of God. Hallelujah. Whoo. Keep coming. Those who have come already and are still waiting for your breakthrough, keep coming. Those who sow in the spirit will reap in the spirit if you do not give up. One way we participate in this rest is to come to Jesus. That's the major way. Bless God. But Jesus says something else in that. He says, learn from me. In the quotation of Luke 4, Jesus quotes Isaiah not perfectly. He takes a line from Isaiah 58, which is a chapter about the lifestyle of true Sabbath. And so how we can participate in the Sabbath rest is to be a vessel of rest to those around us. Isaiah 58, 6 says, Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? How do we participate? We go and we help those who have suffered injustice. We bring rest to them. We learn from Jesus and we do what we learn. We pray for those in need of deliverance and healing and ask God to come and break through in their lives. We help people who are in need. We forgive those who offend us. The year of release, we release people from their debt. In the same way God released us from our debt. We share the gospel with those who do not know Jesus. I want to pray. The Sabbath is really exciting. Sabbath rest is really exciting. I was a drug addict for a while. And I was restless as, as a lot of people here have experienced what it was like before we knew Jesus. Restless, pain, bondage, suicide. Some of you know people. And when Jesus came, I felt the most extreme peace that I've ever known. It was freedom. It was rest. 
He has not changed. We're so happy you could join us on the Home Church Podcast. We pray this week's message encourages you to behold the Lord Jesus and bring his kingdom wherever you go. You can visit us online at myhomechurch.org, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us on social media. If you would like to give to this ministry, text the amount to 84321. Bless you.